Good morning, everybody. It is so nice to be here at Wyong. Um, as I look around and I see a whole stack of faces that I know and love, it is just lovely. And it is lovely to see some new faces that I don't know. And can I just say that um, it's just lovely to be here today. Isn't this weather just fabulous? And you two guys, seriously, I don't know about you, but they make my day with their music. Give them a clap. It is really unfair, isn't it, sometimes that some of us were behind the door when those talents were given out. And um, in the kingdom, in the kingdom, I'll give you a run for your money, Patty. And you too, Ron, where are you? Where are you hiding? Where is he sitting? There you are. I just listened to the two of them and it just does good things to my spirit. You too? Yeah, it's just lovely. And the songs that you chose today were just so appropriate for what I want to say because I, I was thinking about, all right, I'm coming down here. What is an appropriate thing to talk about? And I thought to myself, really, one of the things that if you, if you think today what's going on in our world, one of the biggest things is all that's happening in our world at the moment. Now, if you look at today's world, and this is why I moved over to the side, and I'll move a bit more so I can see them as well as you. But if you look at them, you know, that's all our news has been full of lately. Pollution and smog and you can't breathe. And awful for the people who battle um, asthma because it's just so terrible for them. We, whoops, we look at people who um, in the States, I was, I was over in the States earlier this year, and um, I, I just found it really interesting as I went to place to place. Oh, you're Australians. Oh, you have those gun laws. But you know, you're just as bad as us. I'm sorry, but we're not. And I am just so thankful for our gun laws because the number of shootings in the States and the fact that people are scared to send their kids to high school or even primary school because that's where people seem to want to take advantage and shoot. I don't know why, the devil just gets into them, but it's sad, it's tragic, and it's awful. So this is one of the issues. Another issue is the fact that everywhere there seem to be people who are protesting about climate change. Now, Paddy, I took what you said. You know, when you think about it, everybody is having a go at Morrison, our Prime Minister. Now, I'm not particularly one side or the other. But I have to say, this didn't just happen in the last 12 months or two years or five years. This issue's been going on for 10, 15, 20 years. And it's very good to blame the latest one, but, you know, there's a collective responsibility there. Um, and we, we look at all these people protesting. Well, um, any of you who've looked on Facebook and, and are friends with me, they will notice that if somebody starts protesting, I nearly always reply and I say, well, what are you going to do about it? Amen. Get off your bottom and do something. You know, it's all very well to sit and whinge and protest and go on and on and on, but do something. And the people who can make a difference are our politicians. They're the ones who make the legislation. So if you're not happy about what's going on, pressure your federal and your local member to do the changes that you want to see happen. It's no good sitting whinging at home. They can't hear you. And as you know, the squeaky gate always responds to the grease, doesn't it? And if you keep on and on and on at them, public opinion will change things. If we need to have more hazard reduction, if we need to be able to fell more trees, whatever, 
then pressure the politicians because they're the ones who can bring in that legislation. Now, some of you know where I live. I live about halfway between Olney Forest and the Wadigans. And you go up the end of the road and then you go four kilometres into the forest and we live at the end of the road on a one-way road in an extremely high fire danger area. I'm not allowed to chop down trees. Mind you, I have to say that sometimes I have. <laughs> and people say to me, you know, who would know down there anyway? Well, this is true. But the thing is, when you've got trees that are hanging over the house, albeit more than 20 metres from your house, but they're still 60 metres high, they need to come down. And they did. Hmm. Okay. So if you're going to protest, do something about it. What else in today's world? Well, everything is full of fires and I hope that you are doing everything you can with prayer, with funds, whatever you can do to support and help these people. But this is our world today, isn't it? If you look at this little map up here, this came on the news this week. It's a map of Iran, which is the orange in the middle, and all those aeroplanes are American air bases all around Iran. So that when Iran says it's going to have a fight with the US, this is maybe what's going to happen. And then you look at this person in the middle of it, and I don't really want any comments about him. I have my own personal opinions about somebody who makes some of the comments he makes. Um, but suffice to say, there's an element of loose cannon. Don't know what's going to happen. So when we think about today and we think about our world, I think about things like 9-11. Now, I don't know, but most of you, like me, when you were growing up, did you know about terrorism? Was terrorism part of your everyday life? Wasn't in mine either. Now, I'm old, but even some of the younger ones here, terrorism wasn't part of your vocabulary when you were in school. Was it? Terrorism? Summer? No, it wasn't, because it's something that's come out recently and it's something that's really quite terrifying because people are doing terrible things just for the sheer heck of it. Sometimes they think they've got a reason for it, but it's scary. What else? Muggings and murder. The local paper, our local paper, prints you know, lists of um, police incidents and there's always something to print. People just on the street, um, just in the shopping centre, going to their car, putting their groceries away and something terrible is done. This is the world that we're living in, isn't it? It's normal, and it's horrible normal, but it's normal nevertheless. What else? Violence, horror, and crime. The entertainment industry, and I think that industry has got a lot to answer for. Because look what I've put in brackets. By beholding, you become changed. If you're gonna watch all that stuff all the time, you're gonna be desensitized to the whole concept of murder, robbings, violence. It's no good saying, no, Marion, I can watch that and it's not going to have any effect on me. Yes, it is going to have an effect on you, whether you like it or not, whether you admit it or not. If you watch that kind of stuff, then it is going to affect you whether you like it or not. And you are going to become desensitised to sin. I remember the first time I came back from New Guinea, many years ago now. How old's Catherine? She's about, she'd hate me telling you, about 47 now. <gasps> My baby has grown up. And I can remember being in the house. This was um, about 1974. 
And I can remember I had TV in the house. We'd never had TV in New Guinea. And we had TV in the house because it was just something for me to... It was noise. It was human beings, me and the baby. Um, you know, it was just sort of something to have going on in the house. And I remember watching for the first time one of the TV programs and somebody was actually shot in the middle of the program. And I was so distressed. I was horrified. It's only a fictional story, but I was so upset. Oh, you know, he'd been shot. Oh, this is terrible, terrible. Just simply a story. Would you get like that now? We're so used to it, aren't we? It's just sort of the norm. And that's the world that we are living in. And when we think about it, think about Luke 21, 26. And I'd like you to have a look at it with me, please. Now, I've I'm going to put it up on the thing, but if you've got your Bibles, can you give them out? Yes, please hold your hand up if you'd like a Bible, because they're the same. Now, the ones I'm reading from, because I didn't have one of those, so I may not have exactly the same words as you, but it'll be much the same, okay? So Luke chapter 21, and we're going to go down through 21. You know, the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and so Luke is the third one in, and verse 26 and it says, people will be so afraid they will faint. They will wonder what is happening to the whole world. Now, I don't know about you, but serious. Can you still hear me? Yeah. I'm, I'm having trouble with the gadget. It came unhooked. Sorry about that, Jamie. Never mind. I think I've got it in place again. Right. People will wonder what is happening to the whole world. Isn't that almost how we're wondering at the moment? You know, what's happening to our world? It's getting more and more violent. It's getting so depleted in terms of sustainable things, the violence, the fires, and more. So let's talk about fear. I want to talk about fear today because it seems to me that this is one of the things that for many of us is a real issue. How many of you have never experienced fear? No. How many of you for whom fear happens all too often. Some of you are in between. Okay. There's some fear that's good. Fear of getting sick and diseased. So therefore, you're going to eat more carefully. That right? Not too much junk food? Mm. Some of you don't want to have a stroke, and so you're watching your weight. There's a few of us. If you look at me, you'll think, oh, she's not too bad. But if you look sideways, it's really frightening because Christmas was a bad time. <laughs> I went on a cruise. And you know what on cruises you do? You just eat. Yes. And nice things too, aren't there? And, you know, you don't have to do the dishes or anything else. It's just lovely and you eat. Well, now I'm paying for it. So I'm going to have to be on salads and lots and lots of exercise for the next few months. So that kind of fear is a good fear. It's a good fear to be worried about losing weight and being sensible and healthy and not being sick. We also teach our children to be fearful. Don't run across the road. We drum it into them. Don't eat tablets. Don't go off with strangers. Don't do a whole stack of things. We teach our children fear for their own safety and preservation, don't we? Okay? And these are some of the things that fear is really sensible to do. But what about the fear that is anxiety? I read this little story, and let me share it with you. Black Bart was um, a highwayman in America, 
in the days of the Wells Fargo coaches. And in eight years, he did 29 stagecoach robberies successfully until the final one, they finally caught him. But do you know what would happen? He never fired a single shot. He never took a hostage. He used to wear his mask. He'd come up to the stagecoach, waving his guns around, and they'd stop and hand him their money because they were so scared of his reputation, they were so afraid that they would just give in to him. Now, when I look at that, fear of the unknown, worry and anxiety, I don't know about you, but sometimes, I don't know, do you sometimes just worry about things? Anybody who never worries? Come on, anybody? Oh, yeah, hmm, some days, hmm, okay. The fear of an anxiety, if we let it dominate our lives, it can come between us and Christ. That's the scary bit. That if we are so wound up with being worried and scared, it can actually affect our health and it can come between us and Jesus to the point where we don't exercise our faith that we should. Why? Let's have a look at some of these texts. What does God say? First of all, Psalm 27, God says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? All right, let's look a bit further. Let's come down to verse 3. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. In other words, don't be afraid. Trust God. Now, it's easier said than done, but let's look at this one as... Oh, I did the wrong thing, boys. Sorry. Never mind. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he'll strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now, in Philippians, and I love this because this is the New Testament, and it's in everyday language. Do not worry about anything, but pray and ask God for everything that you need. That's not what you want, what you need. And when you pray, always give thanks. Hello, come in, join us, please. And God's peace will keep your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. The peace that God gives is so great, we can't understand it. Now, how many of you have been into a situation where you've really been so worried and you've prayed your way through it? Any of you? Yes. Now, those who haven't, let me just say... This is the best recipe I know. When um, I was... I'm glad Catherine's not here. She, the, the family hate it when you use them as illustrations all the time. When Catherine was in her teens, she would go out at night with her friends, which is reasonable. If she was a bit late in, I would lie in bed and I'd try to go to sleep. I'd doze off and then I'd wake up and I'd think, she's not in yet. And I would worry. And I would lie there and get myself in an absolute state. How many of you can recognise that kind of behaviour? Yeah, we do. And I would lie there and I would think, I can feel myself getting almost sick with worry. And I would pray. And I would pray. And I would keep praying. And I would keep holding her up before the Lord and asking God to keep her safe and her friends safe. But I would keep praying until eventually I calmed down. Now, can I say to you, if you're somebody who really worries and gets yourself in a state, 
which at times we do. There are different things, but we do get ourselves in a real state sometimes. Pray about it. Keep praying about it because God will come in and God will calm you down. I love this way in the message it says, and it's the same thing, but it's just perfect. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Isn't that just so straight? Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the centre of your life. And that's the point, isn't it? Come in and welcome. Somebody find the man a seat. Come, come sit here. That's great. Good, good, welcome. But don't worry. What are we told to do? Don't fret and worry. Pray about it. And if it doesn't work, keep praying. Don't give up. Because so often we think, I've heard people say, oh, I prayed about it, but it really didn't help. Well, I'm sorry, but you didn't keep praying enough. We need to really pray. And Paul writes this same message to Timothy, and he says... God did not give us a spirit that makes us afraid. He gave us a spirit of power and love and self-control. So don't be ashamed to tell people about Jesus. We need to pray and we need to remember that God loves us, every one of us. And it's so important that we do that. Isaiah says, I will keep in perfect peace all who trust in me, whose thoughts are fixed on me. Now, I don't know about you, but how many of you tend to be troubleshooters. You know, you've got a problem, so you fix it. I'm grinning, I know you know what I mean, yes. So, and we're good at it too, quite often, you know. And sometimes I think that the people who are good at solving problems, now Dean, that's probably half what you do, isn't it? Sorting out problems, putting out spot fires. As a school principal for 30 years, that's what I used to do. And I used to think, you know, school principal, you're supposed to be this wonderful educational leader. Dream on. All you do is put out fires all day long and keep, all, keep people working, make lazy people work, and put the hard word on people who don't want to do anything much. But it's really important that we remember that keeping our thoughts fixed on God is what is the important thing. When we have to do these things, it is quite stressful. But if we take it to God, if we pray about it, pray before we do things, pray before we say things, and when we're stressed, keep praying, it makes all the difference. How do you feed your spiritual self? Come on, different people. I've talked a fair bit this morning. Come on, how do you feed your spiritual person? We've all got that. How do you do it? Talk with Jesus. Yes. How else do you do it? Come on. Believe. Sorry? Believe. Yes, believe. And how do you get that belief? Praying, Praying and Read reading the Bible. Faith comes by hearing and hearing what? By the word of God. If we don't converse with God and pray, but if we don't read the Bible, we are, killing our, we are just kidding ourselves. You are not so wonderful and naturally good that it swells up within you always this goodness. Why are you laughing, Patty? You know what I mean, don't you? 
and most of you do too. We aren't naturally, all of us, just so good, but it's by beholding you become changed. And as you read God's word, God's word changes you. That's why you need to do it. And can I just say that if you don't have a habit, a habit of reading God's word at a regular time and all the other times as well, then you are letting that muscle, that spiritual muscle, just shrivel. I really mean it. You know, it's so easy sometimes for people like me. um, For me, it is so easy. In the morning, I get up, make my breakfast, and as I'm having my breakfast, I do my time with God. It's easy for me. But if you're a single mum, or you're a mum with two or three young kids, that's not so easy, is it? That time is usually insane. So you've got to make another time when it suits. But you've got to make that time. You can't just say, oh, I'll get to it sometime today. No, you've got to make a set time for that appointment with God. Now, you young people over there on that table over there, all you gorgeous young people who are looking at each other instead of me, I'm going to come around and look at you now. (laughs) While you are young, have you made that time in your lives every day where you know that you will spend time with God? It is so important. Don't wait until you're in your 20s to start that habit. And mums, if you do nothing else for your children... That's something that you really must do, which is start a habit in kids of having time with Jesus. Just going to church on Sabbath or maybe family worship if you do. And we should, wherever we possibly can, have family worship. But if you can't, make sure that you have a regular time, that you won't break at any, anything at all. You will make that time and you'll keep that appointment with God and you will meet with God and you will study his word and you will talk with him. If you don't do that, you are not building up that strength, that muscle, that spiritual muscle that will hold you when times get really ghastly. Now, times do get bad sometimes, don't they? And you've got nothing to fall back on except God. You're up against a brick wall. There's just nothing else. If you have spent that time getting to know God, reading his word, learning to trust him, then it will make all the difference to how you cope. One of the things that I do that I've started over the last few years, I don't know about you, but I I pray about all sorts of things. And sometimes when you do that, you get marvelous little answers to prayer. They're, They're not big things. Sometimes they're big things, but sometimes they're just little things. And you just think, that had to be a God fix. Now, I don't know how many of you um, got on Facebook and saw um, an entry that I put on um, a few weeks ago. We had gone down to Sydney. Catherine and Greg were overseas. And I had the kids with me, my two grandchildren, Isabella, who's 12, and Liam, who's 10. And we had got on the train and we'd gone down to Sydney. Liam didn't really want to go, but he had to go because Isabella was having her singing exam, okay? So we went down to AMEB, the the music board, and we did the exam. And then we had to get back home again. So we got on the train, and Isabella had done well. And she said, can I FaceTime Mum and Dad? Isn't it incredible? There we are on a train going from Sydney, and we're FaceTiming Mum and Dad over in Los Angeles. I mean, really, excuse me. My mind boggles old people, you know. Anyway... 
can we FaceTime them? Well, we couldn't get through at that moment, so she said, okay, we'll fix it later. She put the phone down and we were busy, busy, and then all of a sudden we had to change at Central and get on the next train and come to come up to Morissette. And we got on the train and she said, let's FaceTime them now. And I said, fine, where's the phone? And she said, well, you've got it, haven't you? And I said, no, you had it, haven't you? And we realised that she had put it down on the seat beside her on that train and we'd left it on the train. Now, I don't know about you, but if my phone gets left on the train, that's not real good. And I panicked madly and ran down to the carriage to the, the guard and he just sat down. He was really wonderful. And he worked out exactly what train it could have been, what time it was, how long it took me to run from this train to that train to catch the next one, da-da-da-da-da, and no answer. So we prayed about it and I prayed about it with the kids. And I said, you know, please, Lord, please... Please, if it's possible, please help me find my phone. Well, that night, we were sitting at home and I'd given the kids their tea and Isabella came running into me and she said, I've got a message on, on, on my, my um, iPad. She had her mother's iPad. And unbeknown to us, somebody had picked up my phone, gone through my contacts, found Catherine and sent a message to say they had my phone and so we knew about it and we were able to meet up with them and get the phone. I thought that was just amazing. But for the kids, it was so brilliant. It was such an answer to prayer. But, you know, God doesn't do things by halves. I, I really, I'm looking forward to meeting the Lord because I really think he has a most wonderful sense of humor. Because the next day, we were, we've got this dog, a Grudel, which is the most growing larger and larger, bouncing thing. And so we throw the ball for it all the time out in, the, in the, the lawn, the big lawn, to just give it lots of exercise, you know. And you're throwing the ball and she's running around. And the day before I had lost the keys to the back door into Catherine Gregg's house, I always have these three little keys that sit on a little thing inside my door and they weren't there. And I obviously must have had them in my hand and dropped them. Anyway, Isabella's throwing the ball and all of a sudden she threw the ball and she said, I heard a tinkle and I went to pick up the ball and there were the keys where the ball had hit them. And I said to Isabella, because we had prayed about those keys too, and I said to her, you know, God does answer prayers. Now, one of the things that seems to me is that often God answers little prayers and big prayers and we forget do you forget sometimes the way that God has done things for you in the past? You're only human. You know, you can't remember everything. So I write them down. And I have a page on my computer where I write down answers to prayer. And when something happens, I go and put it on that page. Because the Bible says, if we only look to God and remember what he's done for us, we will be encouraged. I like to look back over those answers to prayer and I go, Wow, look at that. I keep a journal too, and every morning I write in it, and sometimes it's please fix that and please fix something else, and sometimes it's a thank you, and then sometimes I turn back over the pages and I look and I think, oh, wow, look what I put on that day. Please, would you do something? And, and you have. Thank you. And so what you'll find in my journal is there are thank yous in all different colour pens and pencils throughout because of the number of times. But if I was in my usual busy life, I wouldn't notice it. I wouldn't remember it. It's so important that we spend time with God in prayer 
and in Bible study. Because if we don't, we will shrivel. Spiritually, we'll die off. And I look at some people who are my age. Now, I'm 75. And I know quite a number of people who are my age, my age group, that I've known for years since we were young. And where are they today? They're not with God. They've turned their backs on God. It's not just the church, but they've turned their backs on God and just said, oh, I can't be bothered. It's too much effort. That didn't happen overnight. They didn't suddenly come along to church and love the Lord and be really close to God. And then the very next day they turned their back on God. No, it didn't happen like that. It happened day by day, little bit by little bit, as they ignored God. So can I just say to all of us, we need to turn to God regularly. Make a time. Mums, make sure your children, your grandchildren, grandmas and grandpas, encourage your kids to have a regular time. You young people, make sure that you have that regular time to spend with God. Because if you don't, you're going to find that you get older and it's not important anymore. Not only will you break your parents' heart, but more to the point, we mightn't see you in the kingdom. And I want to. And I think all of the oldies here would say with me, we want to see all these young people in the kingdom. We want to see them saved. We want to know that they're right with God. It's more important than anything. And for me, bringing up Catherine, I used to say to her when she was a little kid, you know, it's more important to me that you be right with God and that you're saved in the kingdom than that I should live. I think your salvation is more important than anything else, more important than my own life. That's how important it is. And we need to get that message across to our young people, to our kids, that this is really something important. It's not just something we do. It's the most important thing in our lives to spend time with God. So... Let me have a look here. When we feel overwhelmed by fear, it's then that we need to pray without ceasing. To keep praying until God's Spirit can control our minds and our fears. Try it. It works. It really does. And if it doesn't work at first, don't give up. Keep trying. I just pray that every one of you here today will be with me when we meet Jesus. How wonderful it will be that we will be in a place where everything is lovely. There's no more heartache. There's no more crying. There's no more death. Any of you who've lost someone that you've loved and you think of that time when you lost them and the tears are streaming down your face and you just think this is awful. It might even be an animal, a pet that you've lost, but it's heartbreaking and death is part of our world. Just think, when we're with Jesus, there won't be any more of that. There will be no more heartache, no more sadness, no more crying, no more tears. And that will be just so good. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to thank you for your love to us. We want to thank you, Lord, that you came and died for us. It was just so important to you that we commit our lives to you, that we trust you, that we follow you, and, Lord, that we stay in touch with you every day. Please bless these lovely people, Lord. May it be that each one of us remembers that when things are difficult, we need to turn to you. We need to fix our eyes on you. We need to trust you. And we need to keep praying without ceasing until we work through the issues. 
Lord, we just once again think of all those who are struggling in Australia at the moment with the fires and the fireys who work so hard. God, please bless them and please send rain, we do ask in your name. Amen.